Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Does eats oats, does eats oats, and goats eats oats, and little lambs eat ivy. If I were little, I'd eat ivy too, wouldn't you? I have no idea why that rhyme is in my head. I think it was something that was sung to me as a child. Don't even know what it means or where it comes from. Sorry for the delay on getting started. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. YouTube was kind of being a little bitch. Kind of being a little bitch. It was very weird. Actually, I mean, I guess they changed the interface or something like that, and I had to go in, physically go in and select the stream to go live and stuff like that. Anyway, because I don't pay attention to the emails YouTube sends me. <laughs> Unless you're sending me a check, I don't give a shit. <laughs> what you have to say. Thanks for hosting my stuff. I appreciate it. But, you know, I really don't care what you have to say. Because mostly it's like ads. Like, pay us to advertise your stuff like we used to back in the old days for everybody. Assholes. Anyway, yeah, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. Um, so I'm sorry about those of you who are listening to the audio podcast. We've had some audio podcast delays. We're trying to work out a system so it's uh, automatically populated and stuff like that. We're going to get that uh, uh, figured out real soon, and then you're gonna, it's going to be more uh, timely coming out. So sorry about that. But as, if you're listening to the podcast, you can always watch live on the YouTube streams around 6 p.m. every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. Here on and on fxbgpublicradio.com's watch page. Also there, because uh, there's you can watch uh, that page like 24 hours a day. There's plenty of stuff that FXBG Public Radio does. Thanks for all their their help and and promotion and being a part of the team, part of the family here at FXBG Public Radio. Where you know you can if, if you're a musician, you can come and record some tracks. You know, put out a put out a single, make your big stardom. Next thing you know, you're hiring bodyguards, you know, because you're going out in town, you know, because you're a star because you came to FXBG Public Radio, bought some studio time and made you the best, the best song of the 2020s, the hit song of the 2020s. Come on, come on down, bring music back because rock and roll sucks because masculinity is bad. <laughs> That's why rock and roll sucks now. You know that, right? That's why rock and roll sucks now. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, uh, I'm going on vacation uh, next week. It's like a family reunion slash vacation. So uh, there won't be any Scott versus Scott this weekend. There won't be a show next week. And I feel like I'm pretty much in vac vacation mode already. So I'm kind of half-assing this show as it is. So you can take you can take it or leave it. I don't care. So no, no Shock Monkey Radio next week and no Scott versus Scott next week. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably get some writing done because, you know, it's family. Oh, no, I got to I gotta do some writing. It's what I do. Uh, it's not like I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, I mean, it's a, you know, a change of scenery is always good. It's always good for the mind. And uh, I feel like I've been in a bit of a creative funk lately. That's why I've been doing these, like, from the hip episodes <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. Plus, I'm kind of in vacation mode. So, uh, I think a change of, change of scenery would be good. And I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. You can also advertise on the show there. You can also hijack the news worth knowing. And if you want to want to have me uh, sit here and talk about, I don't know, Ted Kaczynski, 
you know, for a half hour. You can hijack Newsworth no one and force me to talk about some subject I don't want to talk about. Or like uh, the JFA conspiracy. You know, if you want me to hijack Newsworth no one and force me to talk about stupid conspiracy shit that I, you know I'll hate, it's all available over there. Patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. And if you have Cash App, you can use the Cash App to cash tag me money. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. I would appreciate it. Any and all support. If you can't do any of that, you know, like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. I'm also on uh, BitChute. Uh, you know, tell people about this show. Say this guy's this guy's nuts. This guy's nuts. You gotta see him. But you know, he's he's kind kind of makes sense. I think Alex Jones was you know <laughs> just a little bit less crazy. <laughs> oh, God, you're right, Ek. This. My field is just way too jam-packed with <laughs> Alex Jones and Steven Crowder. And it's, like, it, it's weird because, you know, it's like because the society wants to push like that out of it. You know, the, the man, you know, they want to push out. But I mean, the, this field is just so saturated that it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because, you know, they want you to think that a majority of the people, you know, they're they're all on board with this transgenderism and the Black Lives Matter and the. The left-wing agenda. Everyone thinks they're all on board with that, but I think I think that's not not the case. I think that's not the case. Anyway, it's a crowded field. If I were like a liberal commentator, I ranted in liberal ways. I'd probably get way more traffic, way more subscribers, because <laughs> there's not many that make sense. <laughs> there's plenty of crazy people on that side of the that side of the aisle. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, like, share, subscribe. I would appreciate it. Tell people about this show. All right. So uh, today's show is basically about how I'm a racist, racist, and I'm going to explain it in a couple ways. Uh, but first, uh, I was I was listening to Gavin McInnes, uh, some old shows of his, and he was talking about how when he was a teenager, he would pray. He'd pray to God to give him fewer erections. And I'm just there's I think there's every little boy, every everyone who's ever been a little boy. You know, been at that age knows what you're talking about, Gavin. And this is it's something that a lot of uh, girls don't understand or know anything about. Is that like once you start having boners, it is like every day, like three or four times a day, and it's the smallest thing that'll set you off. You know, you know, girl in your class comes in and you know, just gives a little bit of cleavage or something like that, <laughs> and boom, you know, for like 45 minutes, you got to deal with this, you know, blue vein throbber, you know. And yet, then you're in school and stuff like that, so you got to hide it from everybody, you know. And you're all embarrassed about it and stuff like that. And maybe somebody catches a glimpse of your your hard on, and you're, oh, uh, uh, Madman's got a boner. Madman's got a boner, you know. And then for weeks or even years, you know, especially in you know the age I grew up in, you know, you're oh, you're the dude that gets boners in class, you know. It could be a girl's perfume, the girl who sits in front of you's hair, the way she moves it when she flips it or something like that, and. Poof, and you're just, it's it's like uh, the Wayne's World was popular when I was that age, and so uh, it's like swing, and it was just like instantly, and it's like boom, and we're here. You just I'm ready for the job. It's like no, I'm in I'm in civics class. <laughs> I'm learning about FDR and what he how he screwed up this country, and, <laughs> and so I just I you know I think a lot of girls don't understand. Uh, what what young boys go through you know and stuff like that and that's why like having a good father was such an advantage and it's such it's such a shame that so many boys are growing up now without a father to help them deal with this thing it's like dad you know <laughs> four or five times a day i'm rock hard you know 
because you know a, a good father will will teach his son uh the proper and ethical way to deal with the fact that you're here uh, men are built to reproduce, you know, to <laughs> impregnate, you know, and so uh, there's there and there's moral and ethical things that comes with that in, in, in along with that. And it's like just every time you get a boner doesn't mean you should need, you need to do something with it. You know what I'm saying? It, it's very simple, very simple things that young men need to know when they're growing up. And it's a shame that so many young boys are growing up these days without that kind of uh, fatherly influence in their lives. You know, and so, you know, young, these young boys who grow up, you know, living with their mom, they're not going to talk to their mom about their boners, you know? And if they do, somebody yeah. Social yeah. And if they do, then they're going to end up on Pornhub or something like that. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's, it's super, it's super important for young boys to grow up uh, with a father to, so that they, they're, they're taught about the ethics. It's like, you know, uh, just because you have a boner doesn't mean you you're in love with a girl, you know, and it, it you, pretty much any girl can give you a boner or something like that. Doesn't mean that's not love, you know, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, uh, and also like, like not to be too aggressive about it, about, you know, you, you, when you're dancing with a girl and you get a boner or something like that, you don't get too close, you know, don't just ram it in there. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? You know, it's very simple things that, you know, keep, these young boys from growing up to being creeps or sexual assaulters and stuff like that is incredibly important. And so I was, uh, I was listening to that podcast and I thought back to my days in middle school and high school when it was just every day, every day, you know, it's like that, that first girl in your class to grow tits, you know, it's like, Oh my God. It's like every single dude in the class is like, what's happening to my body. You know, some poor guys pass out because they don't know what's happening and the blood flow and just like, what's that? I knew, uh, usually, uh, I, I don't want to put these guys on blast, but usually guys with big dicks, they're the ones that pass out. If a guy passes out, uh, getting a boner, it's like, Ooh, but the, but the problem is, is that it's probably hard for him to stay conscious with it. <laughs> so it, oh, it's like a double-edged sword. You know what I'm saying? It's too big for your own good. But, you know, I'm lucky I never had that problem. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, I mean, I just, it's it's way different now that that I'm in my 40s. It takes quite quite a bit of concentration. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's what you do if you're a smart kid. It's like you'll start passing out. It's like, what happened? Oh, I got a boner. <laughs> well, it's so, it's so big, you know. That's what you need to do, teenager guys. You spread that rumor about yourself. It's so big he passes out and just pretend to pass out every now and then. <laughs> yeah the cheerleaders are in their uh <laughs> it's uh, uh they have a game that day and so to promote the game they come in their outfits and stuff like that and then poof, fall out of your chair i fall out of your desk what happened to him and it's like oh the cheerleaders came in <laughs> which i thought you know i think that was kind of ridiculously cruel that they would do that to teenage boys and have the teenage girls dress in like uh their cheerleader outfits and come and sit like right next to you with their legs crossed and stuff like right next to you. It's like, there is no way I'm learning any algebra today. Very strict dress codes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the argument for dress codes. I'm not saying that women should hide their bodies or something like that. But when you're a teenage, when I'm 40 or something like that, you can wear provocative stuff and I won't be distracted because I know how to focus now. Plus, you know, it's not three or four boners every day just because some girl has a nice perfume, you know? But when you're a kid, when you're like 14, you're like, Ugh, 
Who cares about Animal Farm? I don't understand this. <laughs> God, that, that book was so awful. Anyway. Anyway, let's talk about me being a racist. Um, and like I said, it's uh, every September, and we're about the end of September right now. Uh, every September, I always think about the Navy and going into boot camp and stuff like that. And I, I was thinking about how I, I was called a racist several times, a few times, lots of times, when I was in boot camp and afterwards in A school. <clears throat> now, uh, it started off, it, it only started after I became a section leader. And in boot camp, you know, I, I had to explain to somebody who earlier who didn't understand is like uh, your, your division in boot camp, you'll have a, a rank structure in there. You'll have one recruit is recruit chief petty officer. Uh, uh, then he had another recruit who became the assistant chief petty officer or something like that. Um, yeah, recruit chief petty officer and AROC. Assistant re recruit, I don't know, chief petty officer, I don't know. And then there were the section leaders. And the section leaders had like small groups of guys. It was basically like platoon-sized groups. And those guys were in charge of them. They also had like a religious petty officer and an uh, 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 education petty officer and stuff like that. And they had different jobs within the division. You know, athletic petty officer guy who like had to go around and like tell people, it's like, hey, fatty, quit eating the donuts. And coming to me, quit eating donuts, Robbins. <laughs> and so, I mean... Uh, we all had like different jobs and roles, like not all of us, you know, some people didn't get selected. And, uh, it was like, I was like four, four weeks in before I was selected to become a section leader of this section. I had about 12 guys that were in my section. I, I don't want to say that they were under me because they're just, we're off just trying to get through boot camp, man. Don't, <laughs> don't draw attention to me and we can all be cool. It's basically how I treated them. And so, uh, uh, but there are these couple of guys, these two guys in particular, who had like the end end racks that were like the first racks when the when you, when you come into the 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 bay, the barracks bay, and these two guys were real what we call shit bags. They, they really didn't, <laughs> they weren't squared away at all, and uh, they're they happen to be two black guys, all right. And so the thing with these guys were was their ditty bags. Now we had these rules about the ditty bags. The ditty bags had to hang from your rack like that at a certain place at a certain measurement, like this far away, and it had to have all your socks, like the white socks rolled over here, all the black socks rolled over here. You have your belts down at the bottom or something like that, and then you had all your underwear folded in there. And they didn't do that, any of that. I swear the entire time in boot camp, the entire time in boot camp, they never had their ditty bags correct. But the problem was is that their ditty bags were pressed up against the locker, so they're harder to get to. And as soon, as soon as the uh, the recruit uh, recruit division commander, R RDC, uh, is, came uh, figured out that they were shit bags in this regard, every single time when he came to my section to inspect my section, the first thing he did was pull their rack away from it and check their ditty bags, see that they were all screwed up, and say, you two drop and your section leader drop. And so I'm sitting there doing working out with them because these guys couldn't get their shit together. Every single time, that was the first thing they did. And these guys never stopped, never, like, got their shit squared away. Anyway. But because I had to get on their asses because I'm doing push-ups because you guys aren't doing, you know, getting your shit together. That was the point of that kind of training was to teach me to be assertive to those guys and make them do their job. However, they just kept saying, oh, it's just because we're black, man. You're giving us a hard time because we're black. You're just racist. You're just racist, madman. Anyway. I heard tons of that stuff. And, of course, they talked to all the other black guys and convinced like half of them. 
that I was obviously racist. And that's the only reason I was, you know, on their asses all the time about it. And so, um, and frequently they would complain to the RDCs saying that I'm racist. And that's the only reason that, <laughs> that I'm picking on them and so forth. And, you know, it, it's, it's all just a bunch of nonsense. You know, I wasn't being racist. They were, they were just awful. And one time they, uh, we got called into the office by the recruit, recruit uh, division commander. A big black guy, BU1, builder, first class. Huge CB, you know what I'm talking about? He was a big dude. Anyway, he, uh, they come in there and they're all, the two of them and me. And uh, he asked them, he's like, uh, well, w what's the problem with you and Robbins? He was like, well, uh, oh, no, he sucked his teeth. He goes, and like that. And the BU1 stands up and points at his face. He's like, I'm not your Aunt Sally. Don't suck your teeth at me. Just tell me what's on your mind. Well, we think Seaman Recruit Robbins is racist. What's up? You know. And he goes, <laughs> and BU1 says, you know, you're going to have to work for people. Whether or not he's racist or not, you're going to have to work for people like Squared Away Robbins when you're out in the fleet. The reason why he's pissed off is because he's having to do push-ups with you every single morning because we inspect your ditty bags and your ditty bags are all fucked up. Regardless of whether he's racist or not. So I don't know if he was on my side or not. <laughs> and fair enough, you know. It, but, I mean, he has a hell of a point. Regardless of whether I'm racist or not. You know, you got to learn to, you know, live with each other in the military. And that's the point. That was the lesson. You know. I imagine eventually because, uh, eventually they got it together. But eventually they got it together. But, I mean, it, that, was, that was part of their training. And part of mine. And so, of course, uh, uh, when I when after we left boot camp, we were able to like wear civilian clothes and stuff like that, and walk, out, you know, <laughs> have a little bit of personal freedom and liberty. You know, you're able to hang out down in the base club and stuff like that. And uh, we couldn't get beers; we can get you know cigarettes and stuff at this uh, little bar. And everyone they had pool tables and stuff, and a lot of guys played pool. And so, uh, and I'd run into these guys that I was in a boot camp with, and you know, they would threaten me. So I'd love to see you on a ship in the middle of the night, Robbins. And, you know, I, and I have to say this. is like, uh, even at that time, I was like, all right, bring it. I, you know, I was 20 years old. I was in the best shape I've ever been in my entire life. I knew I was smarter than most of them. And I knew that uh, I was also, like, uh, had been trained <laughs> in uh, other, like, like Aikido. I, I knew Aikido. And so, uh, no, Aikido, I guess. Present tense. Oh, fuck, I forgot it. So, and I wasn't scared, you know, I, 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 I felt like 10 foot tall and bulletproof as I, I feel like that was, boot camp was like the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life until the heartbreak. <laughs> heartbreak was worse. I'd rather go to boot camp again than have my heart broken again. So. <laughs> anyway, but so that's why people thought I was racist in boot camp. Anyway, we, we got a late start. So, uh, so I'm going to go a little fast. Now I was playing Civ 3. I was playing Civ three, and uh, uh, I had the, some barbarians out in the out in the fog of war. You know what I'm saying? They kept like sending guys, and I had to send troops out there and stuff like that. Eventually, I t conquered the whole continent. And then I we I found this other continent, and so I started like shipping settlers and stuff like that over to this other continent. And I'm setting up, oh, building new cities on this new continent. And of course, there's barbarians there, and they're coming and like attacking my settle settlements and stuff. And I started thinking about the Native Americans. 
because that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, not to say that, you know, Native Americans are barbarians, especially in the way that game portrays them. But I mean, it's the simple fact is that, you know, the people, the people who are able to travel or from around the world who uh, had the like all those technologies unlocked, you know, the, uh, you know, writing, you know, uh, you know, ironworking, you know, stuff like that. They sailed across the world and landed on the shore and discovered people who are still, who didn't even have written language. All right. Now, um, I'm not saying, you know, Native American culture isn't fascinating and important. You know, it needs to be preserved. Absolutely. However, you know, they did not have the same technology as these Europeans did when they came across the Atlantic and started, you know, building settlements. All right. They are already warring tribes. And as far as they looked at uh, most of these native tribes looked upon uh, the white man, as it were, coming. It was basically just another tribe. You know, uh, the North America continent was wide open. You got to understand how few people there were in the world in the 1600s. You know, it's it's one thing to have like, you know, be like nine billion proud on this on this planet. You know, to think about how the world is getting smaller. But it, back in the 1600s. There were very few people in the world, and the wilderness was most of the world. And so, uh, and so it, it was quite different, quite different time. So there, it seemed like there was plenty of room for everybody. And in many ways, there still is. There still is plenty of room for everybody. All you people saying, you know, the global population is becoming a problem. You guys are, you're closet like supervillains. You want to end human lives? Call human lives? Anyway. But here's my point, is that the, um, the technology that was required, you know, they came ashore in the North America, and they had, like, things like, you know, ironworking. They had muskets. They had, like, saltpeter, you know. They had all this advanced technology in comparison to this, uh, another human civilization that supposedly has been around as long as humans have been around. Apparently, they all started around the same time. Unless, you know, you believe some of the Hopi legends where they came from out of the earth and it's possibly they came out from underground and that could explain, you know, they're hiding underground for a while because of Thunderbirds or something. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how it really, really shook out? But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we need to preserve those Native American cultures because it was entirely oral. They weren't writing things down. You know, the Mayans did, the Aztecs did, you know, but not so much in North America. Now, when you're playing Civilization Three and you're Germany, and then you, you, have, you have France, you you discover their capital like right away. It's like, oh, you know, there's freaking Paris right next door. You know, you build up your culture and stuff like that, but you're right on the border with France. But you know what? As soon as you figured out ironworking, they still got bronze tools. It's like, hey, you have a technological advantage. You know, and like, uh oh, uh oh, they developed musketmen. France has musketeers. It's like we need to we need to start researching that technology or else we you know we're gonna be in trouble. And that's the simple nature of civilization and the way it grows over time. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of atrocities that were committed by settlers coming here, and they were different times. They surely were. I'm not saying that you know it's it's you know good or anything like that, but that's just the nature of technology. You know, you, you didn't even have horses, didn't have any written language, still using stone weapons. You know, you can't, it's hard for me to feel bad for somebody who isn't staying on top of the game. And that's what kind of irritates me about the U.S. these days, because we're not staying on top of the game. And, you know, Russia and China are getting an edge. 
I'm sorry, maybe I play Civ 3 too much, but I think in a global what that, uh, geopolitical <laughs> thinking. But, you know, Civ 3 kind of makes you think that way. Anyway, that's just something I was, I, I play Civ 3 too much. That's why. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about how, wow, Australia is a penal colony again. <clears throat> how about that? But maybe they're institutionalized in the, like in their DNA. <laughs> maybe Australians have that, uh, that they've been in too long <laughs> genetically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I think they're kind of used to it. But it's, it's interesting because we... Uh, the United States falls into the category of colonies of England, you know, and so this, you got the United States, you got Canada, you got Australia, you got New Zealand, you know, it's, they're all these kind of like English provinces, you know, and are, have very similar cultures and, and stuff like that. However, there are differences, obvious, obvious differences. If you look closely about the, the politics of the United States as, as opposed to politics of Canada and the, and the, and the politics of Great Britain and, the, and the, the politics of Australia and so forth. And so you see, you start to see how like a republic like the United States should be is a bunch of different little experiments, legal experience, experiments, so that you can understand, you know, like see what works best for your society. But when you're sitting there and you're looking at Australia and you're saying, wow, they really went off the deep end. Shooting people with rubber bullets and stuff like that. Checking people's papers. You know, telling people to stay in your homes or else we'll arrest you. This, this strange medical police state that they have going on in Australia. I mean, I really don't know what to think about it. You know, I think I'm, the only thing I know what to think about it is I'm glad it's not in the United States yet. But here's the thing, Australians, I don't think they have guns anymore. I think after the, was it the Christchurch shootings? I, I don't remember. Those shootings down there, I think they started like really cracking down on people's guns. Yeah, Christchurch, EK, EK verifies. And so, I mean, it, and that's the danger of pe people take, toy, take, trying to take away people's guns. Australians, I guess, are too, just, uh, I don't know why they agreed to this. But I, I guess the people who really want to keep their guns probably kept their guns. But, I mean, it's <laughs> – my, my point is that, you know, we can see what's going wrong in Australia and how that's becoming like a totalitarian, top-down, serious, authoritarian nonsense. All right? And we cannot let that kind of thing happen here. We cannot let that happen because all this stuff is kind of ridiculous. And when they're talking about their new world order, we cannot stand for that. You know, it's, you know, people want to say is like, oh, you're conservative. And it's like, no, I've always been a rebel. My entire life, I've always been a rebel and I don't like bullies. All right. And that's what I see these days. I see a bully authoritarian government trying to take shape within the Western world. And that is not going to happen as long as I'm alive. I'll fight against it with every ounce, ounce within me. <clears throat> I don't want to live in a world like that. Cops, cops shooting rubber bullets at people because they're out, they're outside in a free assembly. No, 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 no. You know the way I begin this show. I, I reference the Bill of Rights, and I'm all about the Bill of Rights. And so you start trying to take away people's freedoms. You know, the government doesn't give anything back. The government is just keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's been doing that for decades, since its inception. 
And that's kind of the problem. We need to start, like, trimming the fat off this turkey in Washington. Anyway, because we don't want to end up like the Australians. God help them. I pray for them. I watch, uh, what's her name? Daisy Cousins. She's a YouTuber. And the way she has to self-censor herself just to get on YouTube because she's in Australia. And then knowing she's like, she has to like hole up in her house. Can't go anywhere. I'm glad Sydney Watson made it to the States. I bet she is too. But she, uh, she, Sydney Watson has been like terrified. I've like showed a clip of her crying because she's talking about her family back home and what they're having to deal with. It's insanity. We can't let it happen here. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to the news worth knowing. These effing guys. All right, so Millie McKenzie recommended 2,500 uh, troops stay in Afghanistan after Biden claims he was never told. <clears throat> Top military officials today testified that they were assessed that the U that they assessed that the U.S. should maintain a presence of at least 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin admitting that their input was received, quote unquote, received by President Biden, despite Biden's claims to, to the contrary. Austin, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Austin, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, and the head of the U.S. Central Command, Gen CENTCOM, General Kenneth McKenzie, appeared before the Senate Armed Services Committee Tuesday for a public hearing on the Biden administration's chaotic military withdrawal from Afghanistan. McKenzie and Milley both testified that they recommended uh, maintaining a U.S. presence of U.S. troops in Afghanistan. Excuse me. Quote, I won't share my personal recommendation to the president, but I will give you my honest opinion, and my honest opinion and, and view shaped my recommendation, McKenzie testified. And I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. McKenzie said he had made similar uh, recommendation in the fall of 2020 under the Trump administration, which he had all which also had intentions to withdraw all U.S. troops from Afghanistan, saying at the time he recommended the U.S. maintain at least 4,000 troops. Quote, I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would, in, would lead inevitably to a collapse of Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government, McKenzie testified. Huh. Milley was also pressed on the matter, saying that he would not share his personal recommendations made to the president. His assessment was back in the fall of 2020 and remained consistent throughout that he would keep that we should keep a steady state of 2,500 and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe. Something like that in order to move towards a uh, negotiated solution. Uh, Biden and White House officials have said repeatedly that no military leaders advised him to leave a small military presence behind with the president himself telling ABC News in August that no one recommended a 2,500 troop presence that he could recall. Yeah, pulling a rig, you know. Austin was asked whether he... Uh, whether the president received the personal recommendations from his top military advisors like Milley and McKenzie. Quote, their in input was received by the president and considered by the president for sure, Austin testified. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tweeted uh, during the hearing in response to their testimony. Uh, as at POTUS told ABC, ending the war in Afghanistan was in our national interest, interest. He said the advice was split, but consensus of top military advisors with 2,500 troops Staying meant escalation due to deal with previous administration. At SecDef, the chairman, General McKenzie, all reiterated, she added. 
The hearing comes nearly a month after the Biden administration on August 31st withdrew all U.S. military assets from the region. Well, not all the assets. I left a bunch of gear there. Anyway, after having a presence there for 20 years following the attacks of September 11th, 2001. Uh, an August 26th suicide bombing took the lives of 13 U.S. service members, including 11 Marines, one Navy sailor, and an Army soldier. 18 other U.S. service members were wounded. The bombing left more than 150 civilians dead. I guess that sailor was a corpsman. Uh, more SEAL. Anyway, um, as the Biden administration began the withdrawal of military assets, provincial capitals across Afghanistan began to fall to the Taliban. By mid-August, the Taliban attained control of two-thirds of Afghanistan. And by the time the U.S. withdrew all U.S. troops from the country on August 31st, Kabul had also fallen to the Taliban. In mid-August, U.S. intelligence uh, assessments projected the capital could fall to the Taliban within 90 days. In his opening statement, Austin explained that non-combatant evacuations are among the most challenging of military operations, even under the, under the best of circumstances. Anyway. Wow, we're not even close to halfway through this article. That's a long one. Anyway, so you get the idea. These guys are passing the buck. Biden's going to pass the buck, and no one's going to be held accountable for this. No one's going to be held accountable for those civilians that were killed in the drone strike. I think General Milley said that it was a righteous... <sighs> these guys. These effing guys. And you know what? It's you know, They're going to pass the buck back and forth. The top brass, this is what they do. They're going to pass the buck back and forth, back and forth until the news cycle moves on. But you know what's not, not going to change? It's not going to change for uh, those outspoken Marines, sailors, airmen, and soldiers. Like this next article. Outspoken Marine officer who went viral blasting military leaders over Afghanistan report. Whoop. That's me. It scared me too. You tricky, tricky ad. <laughs> anyway. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Let's start over at the top of this. An outspoken Marine officer who went viral blasting military leaders over Afghanistan is jailed. Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, the officer who went viral for blasting the military's leadership amid chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, has, sent to, has been sent to the brig, brig, according to a report. Quote, all our son did was ask the questions that everybody was asking themselves, but they were too scared to speak out loud. Scheller's father, Stu Scheller, Sr., told Task and Purpose, quote, he was asking for accountability. In fact, I think he even asked for an apology that we made mistakes, but they couldn't do that, which is mind-blowing. Scheller first rose to internet stardom by posting a video on Facebook blasting military leaders for the U.S. withdrawal of Af from Afghanistan, questioning their command decisions on the events leading up to and during the final evacuation effort. Scheller would go on to release several more videos generating uh, praise and controversy while drawing the ire of military leadership. Eventually, he was told by supervisors to stop posting to social media altogether, an order he immediately ignored by posting about his gag order. The officer also seemingly realized that the last post could result in a trip to the brig. Of course he did. They probably told him. You do it again, you're going to the brig. Quote, what happens when all you do is speak the truth, no one wants to hear it. But they can probably stop listening because I'm crazy, right? Scheller wrote at the end of the post, Colonel Emil, please have the MPs waiting for me at 0800 on Monday. I'm, wait I'm ready for jail. Marines, boy, they have guts, I tell you. Scheller, 
is, quote, currently in pretrial confinement, a spokesperson for the Training and Education Command said of the officer's status. Uh, quote, the time, date, and the location of the proceedings have not yet been determined. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller will be afforded all due process. The statement continued. But the elder Scheller defending his son, arguing that he was only asking for accountability from military's top brass. Quote, he was asking for some, the same accountability that is expected of him and his men, he said. Quote, I've had Vietnam veterans contacting me, applauding him for his courage because they want to know. Was it all worth it, he continued. And by, all, and by demanding accountability and honesty from his senior leaders, that's all he was asking. And the way the Marine Corps has dealt with it, they have now put him in jail. All right. Um, there's a joke I used to. It's not really a joke. It's like reason number one why I got out of the Navy. All right. I used to make this joke because I had this uh, F the Navy website because I didn't like being in the Navy. So I made a website saying, not talking about it. I'd write articles about why the Navy sucks. All right. And, you know, they wanted me to take that down. And so the joke I made after they tried to tell me to take that down is like, I solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, which no longer applies to me. And that's the joke, right? But it's, it's the sad truth about being in the military. You know, that's for some reason, while you're in there, they think that, you know, the Constitution doesn't apply to you. And I, I have a tremendous respect for this Marine officer. I believe he's a lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant Colonel, looks like. I have tremendous respect for this guy because absolutely, if he was like, if he was on a mission and he screwed up, he would expect to be reprimanded because that's so, you know, and face accountability, just like he expects his men to be held accountable. That's the point of the military. And when, I think when they become like Joint Chiefs of Staff or something like that and they spend too much time in Washington shaking hands with all those dirty, filthy politicians, something changes in them. And they become politicians like this. It's like a, uh, they become like zombies or something. They're vampires, you know? They all become vampires. And they don't get to face accountability, but they hold lieutenants, nobody lieutenant colonels like this guy. Not that he's nobody, but that's the way they look at him. They hold him accountable. And that's the whole point. This elite class that thinks they're better than the rest of us. That thinks that they don't have to be held accountable. That's why they're all pointing at, oh, no, I told him. And, like, and Biden's like, I didn't get it. I don't recall. I mean, it's perfectly believable to, th to think that Biden doesn't remember. But, I mean, the same is true about Reagan. All right? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I want to get to this vacation here. Anyway, Antifa member charged with sh uh, shooting anti-vaxxer in Washington. Yeah, it's just an idea of people. An Antifa member with a long history of posting far-left extremist content online has been arrested and charged with the shooting of an anti-vaxxer in Olympia, Washington. Benjamin Anthony Varela, 36 of Olympia. 36? What are you doing with your life? Anyway, was arrested on Thursday and charged with first-degree assault while armed with a deadly weapon. On September 4th, a couple dozen Antifa from around the Pacific Northwest traveled to the Washington State Capitol building to try to shut down an anti-COVID vaccine mandate protest. The black group was met by the rally's volunteer right-wing security, who included Proud Boy members. You always got to say that. 
When the Antifa, Antifa group ran into the inner city transit station, one of their masked members turned around and fired five 9mm pistol rounds in the direction of the right-wing group, which was about 50 feet behind, according to security footage. Proud Boys members Tussalita Tose was injured in the shooting. Forgive me if I got that name wrong. Yeah, I've seen the, the video. If you find the video, it's pff, right. <laughs> it's It's amazing. Anyway, Varela, a member of the Democratic Socialists of America, deleted most of his social media accounts before his arrest. But posts still available on Twitter show he corresponded back and forth uh, with the Spokane and Olympia DSA chapters, as well as Libcom.org, an anti-anarch—I'm sorry, an, an, an anarchist communist website. Prior to prior to deleting his Twitter account, his bio read "professional anarchist thug and paid protester." His YouTube account, which is still online but doesn't have any videos available to the public, uh, features a red and black Antifa flag as his profile image. According to the affidavit, Varela ran into an alley behind the Union Gospel Mission after the shooting and discarded the black uniform. Quote, the suspect is removing his outer layer, layer of clothing and changing to a bright yellowish-greenish T-shirt, wrote Olympia police detective in a criminal complaint. The suspect discarded his black T-shirt and beanie watch cap in the alley. Varela is a member of the forums of the website Something Awful using the screen name Doorknob Slobber. Real pillar of the community. Huh? Quote, he has a long history of making extremist posts and has been uh, suspended repeatedly by the moderators. <laughs> In 2017 thread discussing Antifa's organizational structure, Valera wrote, I think it has something to do with remaining decentralized in an effort to create cells instead of an organization structure that is e easily targeted by law enforcement and other fascists. At the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020, Varela wrote down, start hurting people. The coronavirus is going to create great cover, provide great cover for a real revolution. He called for people to take up arms. The same month, he posted a rant wishing that both conservatives and liberals die of the coronavirus. Jeez Louise. In 2018, he wrote, 9-11 was good because... I don't want to read that. The U.S. is a Nazi state, we, so we deserved it. Jesus. The criminal complaint says the police view, interviewed Varela's live-in girlfriend. He has a girlfriend! Jessica Lynn O'Connor, 34, who admitted they attended the direct action together on September 4th while in black attire. The detective obtained a search warrant for their property and found a handgun under the bed. Jessica told me the handgun was not hers and it belonged to Benjamin. She told me all guns and gun-related items belonged to Benjamin, the affidavit says. He's being held on $100,000 bails in Thurston County Jail. His arraignment is set for October 5th. It is unknown if he has retained an attorney. Days, of it, days ahead of his arrest, the popular Olympia-based Antifa account on Twitter alerted the public that one of their comrades had been visited by agents with the FBI and ATF. Jeez Louise. You know, maybe Tim Pool's right. You know, we're in the middle of a civil war. You know, you have the radical left and the radical right. You know, and... You have people both on both sides of that camp that may want to, you know, start shooting each other. And these little skirmishes, it's, it's no longer <clears throat> armies meet each other at Gettysburg or anything like that. It's just little skirmishes in the streets of our, of our cities. Maybe Tim's right about that. But you know what? If you're a woman, you have, you have a responsibility to human society to not have, <laughs> not have sex with somebody like that. 
Holy cow. Uh, we're running out of time. So I'm going to skip this uh, story about how nobody, no leftist <laughs> network is talking about the, uh, the uh, second Cuomo brothers sexual harassment allegations. But hey, it's just Italian. Hey, hey, it's hey, I'm just Italian. I grab people's asses. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's hello, me too. Time's up. You know, granted, I know it's, it's it's old, and I don't I don't understand women who like will be sexually harassed in the past and hold on to it. You know, for onto a certain t t date or something like that. I find that odd and hard to believe in many ways. But um, apparently there's proof he sent an email or something like that saying he was uh, apologizing for the incident, uh, which I guess means he, I guess he understands what he did was wrong. But I mean, they're, you know, these ABC, CBS, NBC and MSNBC are just avoiding the topic of Chris Cuomo. It's like their people don't have the same scrutiny and the bias is so ridiculously obvious. I think we all can see it, all can see it. Anyway, let's go on those last two stories. And, uh, I, you know, I like to do uh, upbeat stories for the very end. And so let me talk about so a fantasy so many women have had. Woman stranded in Washington, D.C. floodwater saved by a bus full of Marines. <laughs> a woman stranded in floodwaters in Washington, D.C. last week was rescued by a bus full of U.S. Marines who helped push their vehicle through the rising water to safety. Virginia Waller-Torres was stuck in her car outside of Arlington National Cemetery during a flash flood on September 16th when a bus pulled over and six Marines jumped out to help. Ooh, raw. She recorded the, a video of the rescue and posted it on TikTok. Marine power, Waller-Torres can be heard saying in the video as the six Marines push her car through knee-high flood water. This is the most American thing ever. That's another quote. <laughs> if there's anyone who's going to help these people, it'd be it'd be us. Corporal Mitchell, forgive me, sir. Watchowitz, forgive me. They your boot camp must have tortured you mercilessly. One of the Marines told Fox 5 DC, uh, "We are the right ones for the job that hopped out without hesitation." <laughs> That's what we trained to do. Well, not really. On Monday. <laughs> The behavior is what they're trained to do, is to help. On Monday, Waller Torres reunited with the corporal and Corporal Jared Tosner, who served with the Marine Corps uh, Body Bearers, a unit that performs funeral services at Arlington, WUSA-TV reported. Hoorah. We figured it was just a good idea to lend a helping hand and help out our fellow American, Tosner told the station. Waller Torres told the station that the rescue affected her emotionally because her grandfather, who was buried at Arlington, was a World War II veteran and that her father served with the Navy during the Persian Gulf War. It, so, it was something so different, she said. Uh, it was grateful that I can't explain in words, she said, thanking the Marines. I am so grateful. Tosner and Wachtowitz, watch, watch forgive me, remained humble, saying that lending a hand was just the right thing to do. Quote, and if people just reciprocate that and do good unto others, I think our country is headed in a good direction, Tosner said. Correct. There's still good people out there. Some of them are Marines. <laughs> oh, I, depressingly, on a side, side note, I watched that 9-11 documentary and it told, told the story about that Marine who he just gotten out of the Corps on 9-11. He put on his uniform and went downtown to help because that's just, that's, 
That's what the Marines, that's what they meant out. Guys prepared, ready to do, do good, ready to help. Sometimes it means putting lead on target, but sometimes it's pushing some lady's car out of waist deep water, you know, <laughs> knee deep water, you know, and you know, believe me, they'd rather do the latter. Anyway, one more good story before we head on out and or maybe the thunder kills our electricity. Uh, California, California college student sexually assaulted. Boys jumped from window and rushed to help. A female freshman, college student in California, who has 12 years of karate training, fought off an attacker wearing a skeleton mask while two of her male peers rushed out of a window to assist her. Quote, he punches me in the face. I hit the trash can behind me. The victim, who wished to be remain anonymous, told Fox 11 on the attack at Chapman University. The incident reportedly unfolded on Chapman's ca campus in Orange as the 18-year-old freshman was FaceTiming her boyfriend at a picnic table outside of her dorm on Friday. The suspect allegedly attacked her and then sexually assaulted her. The victim, a black belt in karate, with 12 years of experience, chased the suspect out of the area. <laughs> Quote, somehow, he got off me and I chased him up the stairs, cursing him out, the victim said. Uh, at first... It reminded me of the scream, sort of, because the uh, eyes were blacked out. She said, referring to the suspect wearing the skeleton mask during the attack. Uh, I couldn't see any eyes. I specifically remember the skeleton part on top and mouth being blacked out as if he were wearing a full thing and had a mask on, too. <sighs> I hope you're not skipping your English classes. Two male students, both freshmen, also rushed to assist their female peer when they heard the screams. Quote, we heard screaming outside, said Michael Zapatsotsky. What is up with these names today? You knew something was wrong. When we heard the screaming outside, you knew something was wrong. I push on the screen on the window, and you both jump out the window and run towards where the noise is coming from. And there's this girl there, and she's just freaking out. Because she already handled it, bro. Said Joe Hoddenpile. Hoddenpile. What? These names today. Anyway, police in Orange released surveillance video of the suspect and urged the public to come forward if they have any details on the man. Security on the campus has also increased uh, following the incident. <coughs> there will be at least two to three extra public safety people all weekend concentrated specifically on this area because we want high visibility, said Randy Burba, the school's chief of public safety, according to KTLA. So, <laughs> you know... When things like that happen, you know, I can sit here and say, like, the colleges are, like, taken over by liberal propagandists and, you know, that the world's falling apart. We're in a civil war, people shooting at each other in the streets. You know, something like a new story will come across a couple every week. And this is why I try to have these positive stories at the end, try to find a couple every week. Because it, it gives me hope for the future of, of our country. Number one, you have a woman who took 12 years of karate knows how to defend herself and like god bless women if you you know learn how to take care of yourself absolutely because sometimes you know you can't you can't depend on men you know <laughs> and you know not all of them will pop open a screen and come and help you plus the fact that these guys actually heard the scream sought to investigate and popped out the window i guess it was like they had like a <laughs> real windy corridors in their dorm or something like that but they popped out the screen and ran out there to go help her. Even though she already handled it, there were two guys ready to help. 
God knows what they could have faced. God knows what she could have faced, obviously. And unfortunately, that guy is still out there. Hopefully they catch him. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, one of the uh, more controversial things Gavin McGinnis says is like, you know, back in the day, they just take that guy back in a room and work him over. You know, give him a good beating. You know, and no courts, no judges. Were things better then? Perhaps. Anyway, that's a, that's a little dark for the end of the show. But, you know, hey, there's there's hope for the future. Plenty of guys looking out for women. Plenty of women who know how to take care of themselves. So I think there's hope for the future of America. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I want to remind you again that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate that. And if you go to FXBG Public Radio slash SMR, you can find like a list of like uh, a bunch of links I got up there where you can like uh, buy my books and uh, 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 buy like merchandise like T-shirts like this and stuff like that. If you want it, if you want something like that, you want to buy my books, I would appreciate it if you bought my books and read my books. Uh, you can also email me at madman at FXBGPR.com. And if you I can feature you in my, in my mailbag sometime, I won't use your name if you don't want me to. I, I understand your anonymity, your right to anonymity. You know how I respect the, the Bill of Rights and so forth. Um, if you can't do any of that, you know, if you can't go to the Patreon or you can't cash at me money through Cash App, use the hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio. If you can't do that, just like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends about this show. We're going to be gone for the next uh, week. So uh, we're going to skip next week, but I'll be the, uh, back the Tuesday after that. So I'll, I'm going to go have a fun vacation. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman. And I love you.